Hi, I'm Mark Scott, Secretary of the New South Wales Department of Education, and welcome to Every Student, the podcast where I get to introduce you to some of our great leaders in education. Sir Joseph Banks High School in Reevesbury is a turnaround school with a strong commitment to personalised learning and building relationships with the local community and local primary schools. And in the space of four years, the school has doubled its Year 7 enrolments and student growth data is amongst the highest in the state. And I'm talking today with the principal of Sir Joseph Banks High School, Murray Kitteringham. Murray, welcome to the Every Student Podcast. Thanks very much, Mark. So tell us, if we go to Joseph Banks and your school there, uh, what are we going to find? Oh, you'll find a very diverse um, student population, 92% non-English speaking backgrounds. Um, we've got the patchwork of, uh, uh, of the world, really, at our school. Um, lots of different cultural backgrounds, 29 different language groups. So very multicultural community, about 640 kids at the moment, um, which has grown in the last um, sort of couple of years up to, uh, from 540 up to the 640, which is and, good. And you've been there for about four years. This is my fourth. And uh, where were you before that? I was at um, Chifley College, um, which is Bidwell campus out in the Mount Druid area. And, and, and tell us about um, the recruitment process. How did you get the job at Joseph Banks? It's a merit selection process so um, yeah, by application. So when the advertisement came up, um, I found it and thought this uh, looks like it might be a place that I could uh, uh, have some impact. Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things I think about leadership roles is um, what you think it's going to be like mm-hmm. and what it's like when you actually land. So talk about the gap between what you thought it might be like and then how you really realised it was after your first uh, period of time Um, on the ground. Look, to be honest with you, the Chifley College um, experience was amazing. Um, What I learnt there as a professional um, to deal with low SES um, complexity, um, specifically the needy kids, um, was quite significant. So I I felt that it really prepared me um, extremely well. Um, But landing there, um, I guess the difference was uh, the multicultural community and trying to learn um, and understand the different cultural perspectives um, and the complexity that that brings to the table. Um, The the Mount Druid experience is not so multicultural. Um, But the, you know, the kids' issues are are very much the same. Um, Kids kids having a hard time um, with their learning, there's there's lots of different reasons for it. Um, But one thing that's the same is that the kids are kids no matter where they are. how do you when when you you land in a complex environment though? There's lots of stuff you can mm. work on. You know, there's your leadership team. Mm. There's the teaching and learning strategies that have been utilised. There's the well-being of the kids. There's yep. the community engagement. Mm. You can't do it all at once. Uh, how do you work out where to start? Which levers to pull first? It takes a little while um, because you go to people are always different in every school. Um, but but I had um, a pretty strong philosophy from Mark Bernard was the principal um, out at Bidwell campus and. Um, the philosophy is really um, quite simple, which is um, happy kids learn. And so if kids are well adjusted and you're addressing their well-being levels, then they're able to access the curriculum. So when I went in there, it was quite simple. Get the relational pedagogy right, um, and then you're able to access the instructional pedagogy. But obviously there was a lot of mapping uh, that had to take place. What do you mean, um, what do you mean by mapping? Well, knowing where every child is at, um, I knew going into the school, I've worked in a number of low SES communities, and I know that the um, the issues are very much the same. Um, at Fairfield area before Mount Druitt um, at Fairvale High School. Um, and low SES communities certainly have um, similarities with their literacy and numeracy um, complexity, and usually um, within the same sorts of aspects because of, what have, because of what they've missed out on in primary school. 
Um, so I had a pretty good idea of where to start. Um, and that was, look, if we're looking at literacy and numeracy and that's somewhat the priority is, let's map where the kids are at and use at the time um, the literacy and numeracy continuum to do so. Um, and then from that, it'll tell us exactly what we need to do um, and what we need to focus on. So that was a good place to start. So, so you went about and you almost did an audit, really in a sense of where, stu- where all your students were up to in literacy and numeracy. You mapped them against the continuum, which was being used at the time. Uh, data wall. How did how did you kind yep. of capture that so everyone could see it? Yeah. So the da- um, the literacy continuum is huge. Um, yeah. And and I knew from um, my previous schools that um, to focus on reading, writing, um, and comprehension, they were the, the core areas where we would be struggling. But we did an analysis to make sure that it did uh, ring true for for our setting. Um, and it, and it was the same. Um, you know, it makes sense that if kids are struggling with reading, they'll have a problem with their comprehension. Mm. And if they've got a problem with those two areas, their writing is certainly going to uh, to be falling behind. So that, that was where we started. Um, we, we actually did um, a map across the school to look at, well, what are we doing in stage four? Um, what are we doing to address stage five and six with their literacy and their numeracy? Um, and let's have a look at where we're doubling up um, and also p- perhaps where we're falling short and what strategies are in place to make sure that nobody falls behind. Um, the data you get from that's very clear. Yeah. One of the interesting things I think about in, in coming into a, a challenging environment, you know, um, you didn't arrive with a whole new staff, you know. No. Uh, you know, nearly all of them had been there well before you. You mm. arrived as the young P-plated principal, you yeah. know, first, yep. first gig, uh, full of ideas. Well... I can almost guarantee they'd been working pretty hard. You know, Absolutely. They, they, they'd been giving it all. And so yeah. you arrive with new ideas. Yep. How do you get your staff on board to engage with you and to actually agree that they're going to follow you and the strategy that you're working out to bring about a transformation of the school? Yeah, and, and, and you're spot on with that because I'm the new kid on the block. Um, you know, who am I to tell people that have been there for a long time what to do? Um, part, part of the strategy, and it's not so much a strategy, but look, what, what you need to do is know, know your staff, um, know what's important to them and, and find out what they're struggling with, find out what they're enjoying, um, what they like about the place, and also find out what the difficulties are. So they're, they're conversations that happen. I don't sit in my office, so I, I spend my whole day around the school yeah. um, and having those you know, sort of 100 face-to-face conversations. I see you've got a, a, a watch on that yes. you count your steps, so yeah, you, you clock up a few steps around the school yeah a regular day between eight and twelve thousand but yeah. um yeah certainly get the steps up much, much to the um the front offices uh, uh i guess uh, disgusted they can't uh, find me in yeah. my office as easily but my mobile phone's in my pocket um yeah. but look that that's part of it but it's also um being authentic um and and um meaning what you say and saying what you mean um, and, and it's about the kids. It's never been about um, my personal agenda. Uh, it's not about this is my philosophy and you will, um, you will listen. So if we were to go over to the relational pedagogy, um, I, was, I was actually quite strategic in that. Um, I, I'm choice theory trained, William Glass's choice theory, mm-hmm. um, and that's um, a, a philosophy of, um, of positive psychology. Yep. Um, and and that, that was something that I was trained in at um, Chifley Bidwell. And I knew that if it was the pathway I wanted to go down to get everyone on the same page that I'd need to strategically train people in what it was about. Yep. Um, so I sent the senior exec um, along uh, to do the basic intensive training and when they came back it was like, well, this is the pathway I'd like to move, uh, move in, what do you think? 
And they said um, it's the best professional learning they've done for a very long time and they could see where I was coming for because it specifically um, talks about not being able to control other people. It's a um, psychology of intrinsic or internal motivation and not powering over people. And what we know about children in um, low SES schools, I mean, every school is if you back them in the corner um, and you're powering over them and, and you go harder that they, uh, they literally um, you know, can come out swinging sometimes. So how do we work with people so that we actually do, before you came out, with no value and care for every child. This is actually what um, what that psychology model is about yeah. and how to have those structured conversations with people so that they feel that they've come up with the solutions to their own uh, dilemmas. And can you think back on moments where, you know, s- some staff members who perhaps you thought may have been a bit sceptical or they're sitting there with their arms folded kind of absolutely. a bit jaundiced, where, where they came around? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So once the senior exec came, we started sending the head teachers along, um, and uh, and of course, um, you know, there's people that don't really know or understand it. But once you experience something that you know is is worthwhile, um, and you believe um, that it's got a positive outcome, I think it's hard um, not to have faith in the process. So and I trusted when, and, that process. And when you say send them off, was this to a positive psych? Yeah, choice theory, basic intensive training. Um, Rob Stones and Judy Hutz will um, still run that. They also run the Art of Leadership course with the PPA. So, um, yeah, they're they're very much into um, um, training with um, high school teachers and leaders. One of the things that I think has been a hallmark of your your work has been connecting the family and school. Mm. And there's a challenge in low um, SES uh, communities, in a sense, Mm. Um, and, and some parents and family members won't feel comfortable in a school environment, may not have been happy in a school environment themselves, That's but right. the research indicates uh, that that partnership's absolutely vital. So how mm-hmm. do you go about getting that happening? Um, literally um, one strategy at a time. Um, when we went to the PNC, look, it's hard um, with many high schools struggle with um, PNC committees and groups, and um, I must say our school was no different. There'd, there'd been a lot of work done before I got there um, and the parent groups would be quite transient that would turn up. But we had a PNC committee of sort of between three and five people. Um, and what I wanted to put on the table was I, I don't want people coming into our PNC group and, um, and actually feeling like they've got to leave with a box of chocolates and they've got to raise funds for our school. So what I did was flip it to this PNCs about creating lifelong uh, memories for our children. And what I'd like for this group to do is to um, work on events that brings the community together. And um, in the short term, it was a, a drip feed, um, slow uh, on the uptake. Um, but in the last uh, 12 months, we've had between 15 and 20 parents. And for our community, that's huge at a regular PNC. Mm. But through those parents, um, the conversations that are happening with the broader community have been really significant. Um, there was another probably far more successful strategy than that. Um, and, and it was to do with working with the primary partner groups, working with the teachers um, and the school leaders in our um, there's partner primary schools that we work with. We have 11 different primary schools yeah. that feed into our school, but we've got five uh, direct feeder, if you like, uh, schools. Um, and before I got there, Mel Check, one of our deputy principals, um, our numbers in year seven dropped to 63 mm. uh, the year before I started. Mm. Um, so we had um, a, a real drop in numbers. So it, it was decided then um, by uh, Steve Wazer and Brad Mitchell, who were um, the two principals before me, to actually work more closely with the primary schools. So those partnerships have been um, fundamental in in what has happened at our so, school. So let's talk about that transition. Mm. I, I know there are some, and um, Maury Mulheron, the head of the Teachers Federation, mm. says this to me when we talk, that, that, you know, public education in New South Wales does not take as much advantage of the opportunities of transition mm. uh, as, as we should. 
and that that um, I mean two things really. One is that it's fairly superficial, mm. and, and second thing is we don't recognise the great things that kids in year six do. You know, they're leaders and they're running assemblies and they're lead role in the school play. They're instruments in the orchestra. They're they're just kind of out there mm. and so full of life. Absolutely. And then we, you know, they have six weeks over summer and we make them little kids again at mm. the bottom of the, the pecking order. So talk specifically how transition at Sir Joseph Banks is not a not a superficial get to know you, but 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 how early you're starting that transition process and the kinds of things you're doing. Yeah, well, um, it, it's... I guess what you're talking about initially is it's not really an orientation, um, you know, where people come and there's the canteen, there's the buildings, the toilets and whatnot. And I think that that's the superficial stuff that um, that all high schools do. But the transition, um, uh, to me, means a real curriculum connection uh, between schools, between the primary school and the high school. Uh, it means that um, that we're talking the same language with the primary schools and the high schools. Now, my wife's a primary school teacher, um, and we've worked together, not at my current setting, but we've worked together um, in a number of high schools over the years. And um, the, the value that um, that primary school teachers add to a high school setting is, is significant, um, because you've still got a lot of low, low literacy levels, um, and you've still got a lot of issues with kids that um, are not connecting to that um, at high school um, way of learning. Um, so specifically, um, what we've done is um, we've gone back into the, well, I shouldn't say back, we've gone to our primary schools. Mm. Um, we've had an open conversation with them and developed um, what's now become a community of schools. Um, partly on the back of, um, of uh, the communication and engagement team uh, coming in and working with us on um, our perception in the broader community and the sorts of things that we needed to focus on. We actually um, worked with Derek Schwartz and the community engagement team uh, to know what we didn't know um, and that feedback it took a little while for them to go and do the research but they sat down with focus groups in every um, one of our feeder primary schools and actually worked with them to tell us exactly what they wanted so when we met up with the um, primary schools we actually really understood what the what the parents wanted and and we were catering to that need um, and part of that is that um, kids lose interest uh, when they come into high school um, their relationships with their peers um, is is fundamental for their learning success. If they're not happy um, and, and comfortable and safe, then they're not as uh, open to learning. So over the years, there's been a lot a lot of uh, opportunity for schools to do things. But um, you know, we've we've started those relationships um, as early as kindergarten. One of our our feeder schools is um, yeah. is K to two. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we talked earlier about uh, you you referenced the line in our strategic plan that every student in a government school is known, valued and cared for, and we want that to be a hallmark of um, New South Wales education. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's easier in primary schools. Um, it's easier in primary schools um, because you have a classroom teacher. Uh, you, you look at that connection and your understanding about what happens in primary schools. Have you looked at the structure of year seven and year eight? I mean, I sometimes wonder whether in fact we, we really mine all the lessons from the effectiveness of our primary schools and the way we structure and set up years seven and eight yeah. and, and actually create a more supporting infrastructure for students when they arrive at the bigger mm. school. Yeah, look, there's certainly different models that I've tried over the years. Um, one of those is to try and have um, less teachers um, uh, teaching them, which, which can have success. But the problem with that is growing it um, and bringing new people into it every um, every year. Um, how, how have your staff felt about that when they have to teach across a couple of subjects in order for that to work? Uncomfortable, mm -hmm. um, but willing. Yeah. Um, that's one of the amazing things um, about teachers. That's a motto for a great staff room, isn't it? Yeah, Uncomfortable look, but willing. Yeah, I think I think every teacher um, 
uh, goes out of their way for the kids um, yeah. because it is all about the kids. Yeah. Um, so when, when we're putting new ideas out there, and, and it's, it needs to be supported not only with um, with strong research and a philosophy that um, that supports that research, but some really strong um, ideas that connect um, with the teachers so that they can see value in what you're doing. Um, rather than it just being a flash in the pan idea, um, that, the, that there's some continuity going from this, mm-hmm. then we're going to do that, and then the following that, this is what we're going to do after that. So with our um, Year Seven um, students, every single um, student is tested. Um, we get the information from the primary schools that um, every high school I know works with their primary schools to collect um, who their friendship groups are, what they're good at, all of that sort of information that can't be necessarily tested but is important. Who, who they're not friends with. Um, and we structure our classes very strategically so that um, when they start, uh, we've got every piece of information that we can to um, support their success. Um, they also do testing, formal literacy and numeracy yeah. testing, so that we can plot them on um, the continuum. So the progressions are, of course, um, you know, best start this year coming through was yeah. really helpful in that. Yeah. Um, and I know that the team were really um, happy uh, with the, with the, the outcome of that um, yeah. and, and the data coming when you need it rather yeah. than a long way down the yeah. track. Um, but it certainly aligns with the other information that we have. So we're putting the classes together very strategically and they're a year seven and year eight class. So um, the idea being that they're not changing again at the year seven. Okay. Year so seven. there's some continuity across that. With across the teachers. Yeah. yeah. Um, let me just, uh, just a bit of the data that you're seeing now. You cited the number earlier of the year seven when you started. What enrolment growth are you seeing and what improvement are you seeing in the learning outcomes as as measured by NAPLAN or other kind of metrics that you look at to plot improvement over time? So this year, um, Year 7 enrolments have doubled um, up to 128 students, which um, we're very happy about. And, and NAPLAN data um, is helpful to validate our local data because yep. we uh, plot them all on the continuums and we track that data. Um, we do use uh, John Hattie's effect size algorithm to calculate um, student success. Um, but uh, the, the growth that we're seeing in the students is exceptional. Um, we've got a power-up program uh, with literacy and um, make-it-count numeracy um, program that's happening to support uh, the students to be able to access stage four um, outcomes. So when we did the mapping, what we found was um, that a lot of the kids um, were stage two, mm. um, stage three, and, yep. and um, some of the kids were stage four entering high school, but not all. Um, and, and attacking um, at the right areas and addressing the right areas um, in a really highly strategic way um, was really important. One, one of the interesting things about, you know, Hattie's line about a year's growth yeah. for a year in schooling um, is, is it can almost uh, assume that every child is at the same place. But if you've got a, a young person who's at stage two literacy skills mm. entering stage four, you've actually got to be doing more than a year's progress for those kids to really help them catch up well, and achieve the levels that they they need to be achieving. Yeah, and I, I spoke to you this at a, about this at another event actually, and um, what, what we've done is something that's a little outside the box. Um, if you've got a class where the kids are not operating at age and stage appropriate outcomes, um, then, then what we've made the strategic um, decision to do is to meet them at their area of need plus one. So if they're operating at stage two with particular areas, then follow the continuum mm. because you're not going to be able to teach them anything in stage four until they've picked up the aspects that they need to um, mm. connect with in stage three. So um, we focused on the skills um, and by doing that, the kids' growth 
back up to age and stage appropriate is far quicker yeah, than right. if you if you plug away at well come on this is what I need to teach you and, and content 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 yeah um, which it just doesn't work um, and and I know we've gone um, with numeracy into games based um, learning yeah um, and interactive learning with the students um, we we don't have textbooks um, uh, for numeracy activities and and mathematics they use them as a resource. Um, but certainly not, um, you know, everyone turned to this page, this activity, yeah. um, that what's happening in the classroom is very much based upon what um, students do. So the differentiation uh, that the teachers can actually put into place at the coalface is really clear. We've got an instructional leader that we've employed with literacy and numeracy using yeah. uh, um, the equity funding, and um, that's uh, money well spent, really is. And, and what have been your other spending priorities with the Gonski funding you've got? Um, so the model uh, that we've operated on is supporting um, student wellbeing, um, Happy Kids Learn. We've got a lot of staff that are employed um, specifically around um, our third strategic direction, which is connecting students with their school and community. Um, so we've got um, staff that are employed to head up learning and support team, uh, wellbeing team, um, and we've also got specific instructional leaders in literacy and numeracy. Um, we've also got a transition coordinator, um, and that's part of the reason why every single child for the last four years who wanted to go to university and who's on an ATAR pattern of study has, has been successful right. four years in a row. And, and you've really developed individual kind of plans and strategies for all those students, haven't you? That's right, and, and our transition um, is from kindergarten with the um, community of schools yep. through um, we start our primary partners years three, four, five and six. Um, the principals in the primary schools tell us what they want. Uh, the programs are not just targeted at um, students but also the teachers. We do connected um, professional learning uh, between the, the high school and the primary school together. Um, and then the transition uh, for year uh, 10, 11 and 12 exiting uh, begins very much in year nine, uh, where we start to have a look at what the kids want to aspire to. Um, and um, using the transition pathways, we've got a student support officer um, who's a youth worker employed in the school that not only helps us with kids that are um, having uh, difficulties with, um, you know, with their relationships with their peers and um, with themselves, and connecting with self, but she also connects um, disengaged uh, students uh, to, to the community. Yeah. Careers advisor helping with work experience, yeah. work placement, and our transition coordinators really focused on um, the ATAR patterns uh, students. And, and some close partnerships with universities as well, UTS, mm. Western Sydney, and mm. the University of Sydney. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's uh, fundamental. Uh, that's the direction a, a lot of our kids want to go in. More than half of our kids want to go to university. Um, those pathways start um, through ABCN and the various university programs, the PACE program for our Pacific Islander students, um, AIM program for our Aboriginal students, but um, making sure that the kids have that opportunity to um, aspire to something that they feel is out of their reach. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of programs where we're working with the universities um, at various stages and uh, between year nine through to year 12, where they get to go to the universities and actually have a look at what's happening there and make those connections. One of the things that's been a little bit unusual about your school in the last year or so is the full glare of public attention that's fallen on it. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I know Jenny Brocky. And I ran into her uh, one night and she said that she was off to your school that week and she discovered, you know, heard about your school and she took a crew down there and, and SBS did a, an hour on your school they and did. really put in the spotlight. Um, must have been a great vote of confidence in the work to get that kind of attention. But, but what happened on the other side of that? I mean, okay. know, a um, lot of people beat a path to your door now, right? 
It's absolutely been the outcome of that. Um, it's almost like a lot of the success we've had at the local level um, with our primary schools have been because of the work we've done at the local level. Grassroots work with our primary partners, um, the work that we do day to day with the universities. But um, when, when um, Jenny Brocky um, wanted to do the show on our school, I must say um, that I felt a little intimidated <laughs> uh, because um, I, I love SBS and um, the, the things that they cover on that show uh, are really broad mm-hmm. and, and have, um, you know, they ring really true with a lot of the broader community Um, but the attention that we've got from the education community has been actually quite um, astounding Um, and the support that we've got uh, from we've had um, philanthropists um, give us money to support um, study programs you know ten thousand dollars from one person that said I really love the work that um, is going on there how can I support um, student learning better and we said well we want to run this homework club and here's the idea and I pitched that idea and, and he was happy to fund that. So there's been a lot of outcomes uh, that have come uh, from that, but interestingly, the, the success we've had at the local uh, level with our increased student numbers have had probably little to do with the show and more to do with the hard work that's happening on, on the ground. On the ground. And, and you know, you've, you've had an energetic four years, you know, big challenges, some really encouraging results and feedback uh, to this point. As you look ahead four years or so, What's, what's next on the slate for you at that school? Um, look, one of the things that we're aspiring to in the, um, in, the, in the school plan is to make sure that every single child has one foot into their future. I mean, that's, that's the end game for us. Um, and we have a very broad um, student group. We've got a support unit um, with 70 uh, students that are intellectually mild and moderate. Um, we've also got uh, lots of kids that are operating at a lower literacy and numeracy levels all the way through to high achieving um, students and you know every student wanting to go to university does. Um, what we really want to achieve is that every student knows um, and has a connection with where they're going and what they want to do and making sure that they get there. Um, being age and stage appropriate with, um, uh, with their literacy and numeracy is uh, another core priority for us because the kids are not. Um, kids that are coming from refugee backgrounds, non-English speaking backgrounds, really struggle um, to get the basics uh, right so that they can access that curriculum. So our, our core priorities are making sure that the kids are connected with their learning, um, that they are known, valued and cared for, that they feel confident um, and happy within themselves. And, you know, I'm a parent, um, as many of us are, and um, the one thing that every parent wants for their child is for them to be happy. Um, and there's a lot of anxiety that happens in high school about um, what's going to happen. Um, but we do know that the work that we've been doing has had a huge uh, impact in the local community, uh, that the, um, the confidence in the community is there with what the direction we're taking as a school um, and the, the connections with our primary schools are stronger than ever. In fact, next term we're having our first community of schools uh, joint school development day. So, um, you know, the six of us are meeting together at, um, at Canterbury uh, Bankstown Leagues Club and um, the six schools are going to be working on a project to do with visible thinking, which is really yeah. exciting. Great stuff. Well, Murray, thanks for all you're doing for the the students at Sir Joseph Banks, and thanks that every student there is known, valued and cared for. Thanks for the way you've taken on the great challenge, and we'll look very closely and with great interest at your future success at Sir Joseph Banks. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. Thanks a lot. And thank you for listening to this episode of Every Student. Never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast platform of choice or by heading to our website at education.nsw.gov.au slash every hyphen student hyphen podcast. Or if you know someone who is a remarkable innovative educator that we could all learn from, you can get in touch with us via Twitter at New South Wales Education, on Facebook or email everystudentpodcast at det.nsw.edu.edu.au.
Thanks again, and I'll catch you next time.